Steve Zakawani was never fun to stick up against. Was it for Zakawani? None is possible. It's Steve. It's Steve. <laughs> this is so weird. Steve Zakawani. Hey, what's up, everyone? Steve Zakawani here. Welcome to another edition of Winging It with Zakawani. The Seattle Sounders on the road this weekend, going up north to Vancouver for the game on Saturday night. But we, have, we do have to look back to what happened before the international break, which was a tremendous win away from home in Chicago. Not quite Chicago, outside Chicago, but against Chicago, where Seattle beat the Chicago Fire 4-2. Personally, I think it should have been a bigger margin of victory because the team was just that good on the day. But the Fire had some good attacking pieces and managed to get a couple of goals to make it at least somewhat interesting. But the result really was never in doubt. Later on in the podcast, we're going to air an interview that took place a few weeks ago when I went to Lisbon, Portugal and sat down with my old friend and former teammate, Freddie Montero. We had a good catch up um, over the course of a few days while he was still playing for Sporting Lisbon. This is before we knew he was coming to play for Vancouver, but some quotes in the interview are pretty relevant for the fact that he's back with the Whitecaps and we will be facing him once again um, this weekend, this Saturday night. But we have to begin with looking back. What a start to the season for Seattle. After winning the first two home games, which mirrored what the 2009 team um, did, the team I was fortunate to be a part of, um, the challenge was to go on the road and also get a win to show that the first win wasn't just because the Sounders faced an expansion team in Cincinnati and then a team that in the last couple of years has not been great in the Colorado Rapids. It was, can you replicate that same form away from the friendly confines of CenturyLink Field, away from Seattle? Can you go to the East Coast, Eastern Conference team, a team with decent players. They really do have a good attacking group there, um, led by Schweinsteiger, who plays very defensive, but he's like a quarterback. He just sprays passes and finds um, his teammates making run, and it makes sense to save his legs at this late stage of his career. But that was a challenge. Could the Sounders go on the road and do what they had done in the first two weeks, or were they frauds? Were they going to be found out? And was it just a case of the opposition they've played so far at home has been very favorable? In 2009, we had the same scenario. We had to go away in the third game. We went to Toronto, and we managed to win. We managed to, to, to score a couple of goals up in Toronto, and we flew back to Seattle with the win um, that, that, that weekend. And the 2019 team, 10 years on, did the same exact thing in very impressive fashion. Um, this was led... I'm going to keep repeating his name, but Victor Rodriguez, he's, he, 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 he's on form right now. You can see the difference a healthy preseason makes because he wasn't that fit in the start of last season. He had some injuries. He was in and out. And he would come in and show flashes, but not sustain how he has done from the end of last season through the beginning of this season. And it's because he's been fit. He hasn't had any injuries. He's been healthy. He looks strong. Um, at times last season when we spoke to him, he told us you know, he felt 80% fit. He was still doing magic, but it was in, 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 in short spells. Now he's sustaining it. And listen, I don't know what's going on during the week between Victor and Brad Smith. I don't know how often they're having dinner together or if they're you know, playing Call of Duty with the headsets and whatever's helping their relationship, I don't know. But whatever it is, if I'm the coach, I'm going to say keep doing it because their understanding on that left-hand side is second to none. I haven't seen anything like this in MLS between a winger and a left-back who both 
game by game have such an impact on the team's result. Brad Smith is just a machine. That guy is just a machine. He's up and down. He's strong. He can defend. Um, he's so quick. He understands where to run to leave space for Victor. He knows when to overlap, when to run inside. When he gets in the final third, the delivery is very, very good. More often than not, he's picking someone out. And every time they attack down the left-hand side, they look like they are going to score or at the very least create something that's going to cause the defenders to worry. And then it's best when Nico Ladero drifts over to the left-hand side as well, and they're playing 3v2 or 3v1 sometimes. And it's just incredible to watch, absolutely incredible um, what these guys are able to do together. So the, the reality of it is teams haven't been able to figure this out, and I don't think they will be able to. There's just too many weapons on the left-hand side because you tell Victor, okay, we're going to show you outside, he's comfortable. We're going to show you inside, he's comfortable. All right, we're going to trap Victor. Well, Brad Smith makes a run. Who's going to mark him? All right, we're going to trap both of them. Okay, Nico comes over. It's too many weapons. And if they stay on form and they stay fit, it's going to be a long season for many, many right backs and right midfielders who have to deal with that double, but also that trio um, on that left-hand side. Jordan Morris was fantastic. The thing I liked most about what Jordan did in that whole game, yes, his goal was brilliant. The board from Nico Lodero was just... It was a Nico board, we'll call it. That's what Nico does. He gets the ball, he lifts his head, you make a run, he's going to find you. And he found Jordan in so much space. It was an incredible pass. And then the first touch from Jordan was exceptional. And the finish was even better. Off balance, body going to the ground, to have the correct weight on the ball, to nestle the ball in the back of the net. Is just absolutely incredible from Jordan and shows the supreme confidence he's reigning with right now. But that wasn't the best part of Jordan's game for me. The best part of the game was his assist. Yes, Jordan's assist. I believe it was to Victor. Jordan receives the ball just inside the right channel, faces the defender one-on-one, and there's no hesitation. It's like, looks at him and he goes, I'm going to kill this guy. And then he just goes, whips the ball across, easy finish. But the thing I liked about that is this. In the past, because he's a striker playing on the wing, that's what he has been in the past. Think back to a couple of years ago when he first broke through um, his rookie year, especially when he would play out on the wing at times. He would get the ball in one-on-one situations and he would hesitate. He would have to think about what he's about to do. And good defenders at this level, they're going to read that. And sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. This new, fresh, refreshed, brand new Jordan Morris had no hesitation. The confidence was right there. Looked at the defender, right away he knew what he wanted to do. I'm going to beat you on the outside and I'm going to play this ball across to give my friend a simple finish. And that's what I liked. There's no fear or hesitation in Jordan Morris's game right now. He's playing with supreme confidence. And I've talked about the left-hand side. If you're getting that kind of production on the right-hand side as well, and then you think in the middle you have Rui Diaz who touches the ball three, three and a half times a game and scores two goals every time, it seems like. And Nico, it's a well-rounded attack. That quartet, let me go on record, has the potential to be the most deadly attacking group in Sounders FC history in the MLS era, in the Major League Soccer era. And I know it's a big statement because we're talking about some very great attacking players that have been here. But if they sustain this over a 34-game season, everybody stays fit, 
and they managed to maintain their form, they could break all kinds of records. They were all on the score sheet in Chicago, and that won't be the last time that they're all going to affect the score sheet in some way, game to game. So great start. Three games, three wins from the Sounders. Absolutely fantastic. Really quick, this weekend, Vancouver, not sure what to expect. They had the biggest turnover ever in the offseason for an MLS team. I think they changed like 18, 19, or 20 players, which is unheard of. I can't imagine going away in my offseason and coming back next season and 20 of my teammates are gone. 20 new guys, a new manager. It's a different regime. I think they will be good, but they're not very good right now. So for Seattle, it's easy. And Seattle's been pretty good up in Vancouver historically. You go up there and you continue doing what you've been doing. If Seattle plays at the level Seattle has played against Cincinnati, Colorado Rapids, and the Chicago Fire, I can't see anything but three points. It's going to be very tough for Vancouver, who has a home team. I'm sure they're going to want to attack, entertain their fans, so they're going to leave spaces behind. And you leave space, that's where Brad Smith exploits. That's where Nico exploits, Victor exploits. Don't even talk about Jordan and the element he adds, which was missing all of last year. Someone you can just dump in behind, he's going to go chase it because no one's going to catch him. I think Vancouver's going to be in for a very, very long evening. You do have to beware of Freddie, because Montero's very good at finding gaps and spaces when you least expect it. He looks like he's not interested, but his mind is going 100 miles per hour, figuring out where the ball might land, where the ricochet might go, the deflection might fall here. And you think he's not interested, but once he's there, he's an assassin. He gets in the box, and he's hurt Seattle before, and he did it so many times in the Seattle shirt. Still holds some records here at this club as well. So we know all about him. And he's the guy you have to watch. You have to watch him. You know, he got his account open in their last game with a penalty. But he'll be motivated. I know the guy and he, he does, you know, outwardly express it. He's not very, you know, expressive guy so much. But inside, he's driven by fire. And playing against his former team, I, I know he's going to want to show that he still has it. And speaking of Freddie, stay tuned because we will be airing right after this break, uh, interview with Freddie Montero. I was in Lisbon in February, and I hung out with Freddie over the course of three days. Um, it was the weekend of sporting Lisbon against Benfica, which is a massive rivalry. Um, the game didn't go well for sporting, but still had a great time um, with Freddie Montero. And we got to talk about his career, you know, our beginnings together here in Seattle. And then, you know, he's been gone to China and to Portugal and Canada twice now so he's had Colombia he went back home for a while so he's traveled he's traveled well Freddie but still very much feels a part of the Seattle fabric Um, that's not my words that's his words so stay tuned Freddie Montero right bring it into Jaquel left corner of the box Jaquel turns two defenders in front leaves it off to Osvaldo off it comes top of the box to Latou, now to Montero, here's the drive and the goal! Montero with a drive, far post! Freddie Montero scores at 11.03 in Seattle. Sounders on top, 1-0. All right, Freddie, um, let's talk. So let's go back to 2009. Obviously, you arrived in Seattle at the same time as me. Um, my journey was from Ohio. Tell us a bit before Seattle. What were you doing? Where were you playing? And then how did the move to Seattle, how does it happen? Well, uh, I was back in Colombia playing for Deportivo Cali. I remember um, 
after a game, I had to go to one of the owner's um, house, and I had the opportunity to meet uh, Chris Henderson and Coach Smetzer. Uh, yeah, I, I realized that, yeah, that, that was going to be uh, my next team. So that's uh, after that meeting, uh, I remember going back to my house and calling my parents, say, hey, be ready because soon it's going to be the news out there. I'm going to be transferred to MLS. You were young, very talented. You were scoring goals for Cali. You played for the national team. Why America? Why not do what everybody says, oh, I'm going to go try and wait till Spain or try England? What, great decision, but at the time, why America? Yes, um, well, you know soccer. You know that uh, players, they don't uh, manage the future, you know. As long as the offer is good for the team that you're playing for, that's uh, all the matter. And uh, back in the days, that was the biggest offer for my team, for Deportivo Cali, and they accepted. And yeah, I, I got the opportunity to play in MLS. And I wish back in the day that uh, Spanish League or Premier League or German League, there would be like, more interest in me. But I uh, know MLS beat all of them, and yeah, I'm happy that happened. And you arrived in Seattle. Um, was it what you, did you know what it was like? Did you go on Google and check? Like, what, what do you expect? Well, the first thing that I, uh, I was thinking about uh, from me when I arrived to Seattle was uh, where I'm, am I going to live, right? Uh, I'm going to be able to speak Spanish. Do I need a translator? Uh, Google didn't tell me anything, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, we arrived and I didn't know anyone at the moment. It was snowing when I saw on the window uh, landing in SeaTac uh, Tacoma uh, Airport. I see that that was completely covered in snow. And for me, that was shock. Uh, I never experienced snow before, and coming from 40, 45 uh, degrees in Barranquilla, where I was uh, in vacation, uh, that was like extremely changed for me. You get there. Ozzy wasn't there the first day. John Kennedy wasn't there. Was anyone else speaking Spanish or no? No, no. When I arrived, no one uh, spoke Spanish uh, at that moment. Casey Keller a little bit. Casey Keller, but he wasn't at the hotel. He, he has his house, you know, in Seattle, so he was there. Um, I remember uh, somebody told me, it's a Cuban player that is coming, but I didn't know when. I didn't know... How is that player looking like it? And yeah, I wasn't uh, expecting to meet Aussie right away. You came, it was cold, we went to the VMAC, and when people, when I talk to my friends, if it's in London, wherever, we, you know, having a few drinks, you know, I'm drinking water, and um, we're talking about the past, and they say, you know, who's the players that you've played with? And normally, you know, you talk about games, but for you, I always talk about the first training session. And I've told you this before, we're doing a possession drill and you will not lose the ball. I never saw somebody so precise with passing. You're looking this way and passing over there and changing your foot. And how were you at that age already so confident? And did you feel when you arrived after one week that, okay, I'm going to be good in this league? Yes. Uh, I always believe in my technique. That's something that I've been working on through the years. And I... If I don't run, if I 
miss a header, uh, it's okay because I'm going to have another opportunity. But I don't uh, like when I lose the ball easy because that's what I am. And back in the days when I just arrived to Seattle, I, I saw that the aggress aggressive player that we have and, and defenders, they just came with everything. And one of <laughs> <yeah>, Scott <laughs> uh, and Taylor. Remember Taylor? Oh, my gosh. Uh, and yeah, and, and one or two touches, you have to uh, play the ball fast and quick. And that's what I was doing back in the day. So let's talk about the first year, 2009. Um, the first game in Sounders history is the Freddie Montero game. You scored the first goal, <laughs> you scored the third goal, you announced yourself to MLS, everybody started watching who is this kid in Seattle, this Colombian, and ESPN, everybody was talking about you. Um, what do you remember from that game? I was on the bench, actually. I, I was coming off an injury, so I had a very good view of watching you. Um, but what's your memories from that game? Well, I remember uh, Sigi talking to us, you know, just do what we did in preseason. Um, go have fun, enjoy. It's gonna be a loud uh, crowd out there, but don't let that, you know, get you nervous. And for me, everything was new, you know. Uh, the Anton, uh, all the the fireworks. Uh, it was a nice um, entry in the game, but scoring the first goal. I mean, that that's something that I was dreaming about. And after that, we had this great celebration where we include uh, John Kenny Hurtado, Ossie Alonso, and in the back we have Asad <laughs> uh, He missed one or two practice, so that's why he couldn't uh, uh, dance with us. But, my God, that was amazing. And the third goal, I want to talk about the third goal. People talk about the first goal. The third goal was better for me because you had the little faint before. Talk about that, because the way you play, there's a lot of that. Where did you learn that? And the confidence to do it in a real game. 1v1 is not easy. And you faked the keeper and finished it, that third goal. Yeah, I remember we were uh, trying, you know, to waste some time. And putting some pressure on the defender, I steal the ball. And I was running, running. As soon as I, as I was getting close to the goalkeeper, I, I got a little nervous. <laughs> I want to be on it. And... I don't know, that was like instantly, that was my instinct, you know, to fake the goalkeeper and try to, you know, make him go in the ground and then I just tap it in and it was great, it was 3-1 and, and finally we, we had the opportunity to, to say, OK, we won the first game. Were people in Colombia able to watch or did you have to call them and tell them? Oh, I think they watched afterwards, you know, on the highlights, okay. uh, but for sure I, I wanted to, you know, the game to be over, I wanted to go to the locker room and call my parents and say, hey, finally, first game, I scored two goals. I'm, I'm, I'm here and everybody knows that who, who I am. Now. The second game, you scored a goal that everybody talks about. It's similar to a goal you scored against LA Galaxy a few years later. Um, you scored some great goals in Seattle. We spoke briefly about this at lunch yesterday, but the best goal you scored in Seattle, I think we actually agree. Yeah. What was it? We do agree on that one. Uh, it was in New England. Uh, I started from the middle of the field, uh, dribbling two, three opponents, which I don't remember doing that often. <laughs> I just saw Steve Sakwani how he was dribbling everyone, you know, two, three guys like they were cones. Uh, I don't know, maybe maybe that day I had your, your boots and I shoot from distance and 
the goal, the, the ball went higher and then it comes down and it was an amazing goal. Yeah. So you do that, you go through, I think you get 12 goals that season, um, you go away off season and then talk about the rest of your time in Seattle, year two, three, four. When you look back now, you've played in big clubs, big teams. How do you talk to people about your time in Seattle? Well, Seattle gave me a lot. Um, when I came to Seattle, I wasn't uh, looking to stay there for many years. You know, as a young kid, you say, okay, one year maybe here, you, you know, you prove yourself, you gain this confidence, uh, and then move to Europe. But the second year, I had the opportunity to, to stay with Seattle, and uh, we, we got a really good team. But for me, when I realized that, yes, it's, I'm here now, I'm going to focus on this team, I'm going to focus on me, and that's when I start moving forward, you know, trying to speak the language, trying to establish myself with the culture, and I'm happy that I met my, today my wife in Seattle. We were good, but when you're good, you have to win, and we won. And three years in a row won the Open Cup, four years in a row made a final. Um, the first one in D.C., you scored the winning goal, I think, or you scored in the game. Um, your memories from the Sounders in MLS first trophy? The first one is always the, you know, the one that is going to be in your memory forever. And Yeah, I scored one goal. Roger Leves scored the second one, yeah. and we won 2-1. I remember the goalkeeper stepped on me, and he got a red card. Uh, and then we were celebrating. I think that was my first time we, that, that I flew on a charter. Remember, we went back to Seattle that day. Ozzy and I were amazed, and John Kennedy too. And uh, wow, that was great. Uh, we, we felt like, okay, we won the MLS Cup. Yeah, yeah, amazing. You leave Seattle, you know, record goal scorer, a whole bunch of assists, all the memories, the fans to this day, they still wear Montero shirts, still um, love. Oh, yeah, they still... Uh, more than Zakwani, I'm not happy about that. But um, <laughs> they still love your name. But how how much for you were the fans? How important were they? The support they gave you from day one. Oh man, they were loud. Uh, any other team that came to Seattle in those years, they well, they they were thinking, oh, we're gonna play turf. Yeah. But I think the fact that. Uh, they scared the most was the people. They were really loud in uh, back in the day was uh, Centerlink field. Yeah. Westfield. Oh, Westfield. Yeah. Now it's a Centerlink. Yeah, Westfield. And yeah, the the other players that were like um, you know distracted by by the uh, the fans like, being so noisy. Yeah. So then you've moved on to the other team. Let's talk about just give me the teams. When you left Seattle, you went to Million. Millionarios. Yep. I went for a loan. I signed a one-year loan with Millionarios back in Colombia. I only stayed for four months, and then the opportunity to sign with Sporting came up, and I moved here to Europe. And you've been to China. Yeah, two years and a half went by, and then I went to China, signed a three-year deal with them, stayed for one year. I got loaned to MLS again. And, uh, and then after a year, I came back to uh, Sporting. For a kid from where you're from, where I think most people in Barranquilla, maybe they go their whole life, they don't leave the area, the neighborhood. Yeah. You've gone around the world, you've lived everywhere. What 
how has that helped you as a person to be in so many different cultures, um, away from your family for the most part? And uh, how the kid who came to Seattle to the man in front of me today, how has being around the world changed you? What can I tell you, Steve? Honestly, you're a good player, but when you move from one team to other, a good player is going to come, or even better than you. I think the most important thing that I learned from soccer and moving, in the past five years, we moved to four continents, you know, America, Europe, Asia, North America. And I think uh, you have to be a, a good person, you know. Uh, fans will love you, fans will remember you. And when you have the potential to move to different teams, you show who you are as a player. And I, and I always think, like, okay, if this team is uh, looking to have me there, it's because they see something, some value in me, in my game. And that's what I always try to do, just play my game. I don't try to uh, do something different than all I am. You've been around the world everywhere, but I get the sense, your wife is from Seattle, that Seattle yeah. is your home in your heart. Um, why is Seattle so important to you to the point that you want to open a business in Seattle? <laughs> uh, well, Seattle, Seattle is where I met my wife. Seattle is where my church is. I have a lot of friends there. Uh, Sid Sakwani still lives in Seattle <laughs> for now. <laughs> and uh, uh, when, when we look back, my wife and I, uh, we say, what, what is the best place that we can raise our kids, you know? And I think Seattle, like, uh, have all these things that we, we want for our kids. Seattle, uh, good education. Seattle, uh, have a great city, you know, nice uh, parks, nice uh, people, lovely people. And we are, like, two flights away from Colombia, so whenever we want to get away from the uh, rain, we go to Colombia. And that's uh, not a big deal for us. How are you, 10 years now, we're celebrating the anniversary of Seattle, how are you different as a player now? What have you added to your game or learned that you didn't have in 2009 that you have in 2019? Uh, you know what's something that I never told anyone until now? It's that I, if I was Freddie from today in, in, back in Seattle, I would say, I would take every single PK. I scored 60 goals with Seattle, but uh, remember, we, we didn't uh, take the PKs. And I could have like 10, 15, or 20 more goals during four years, and uh, my record will be higher now. And uh, now I say, well, for a forward, for a striker, it's really important to take PKs, because during the season, you have at least four, five, six, seven more goals. Let's talk about Ziggy a bit, because I'm grateful that when I came to Seattle as a young player, he saw that I was good in preseason and he took out the experienced players and said you're going to play the same for you yeah. you know yeah. so what did he how important was Ziggy Schmidt to Freddie Montero's career it was for me without Ziggy uh, if I met another coach it would be different or difficult for me than, than it was the transition from coming a different culture different uh, game you know the style what, what he brought uh, from me to play in Seattle is that, that he gave me confidence, you know. He knew that I was a kid. He knew that, that I was uh, coming to a new place. And he never 
took out what I was as a player and for you too and for every single uh, new player that we have in that team. With the experience that he had back in the days, I think uh, I thank Sigi for, for every single moment. Even not only in the, in the field, but off the field, sometimes I had the opportunity to meet him in a coffee shop and talk to him and, and, and he was going to tell me the things that I needed to do better to get uh, uh, in a good level if, if I wasn't doing good in, in the team. Was it weird to play against Seattle? It was, yeah. The first game was really weird. Was it good to score against Seattle? It was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, what was, yeah, how was it, especially the playoffs when you came to CenturyLink? Because it's a place where you helped build and gave, made so many people happy in Seattle, so many people. Um, and now you were trying to make them sad. Like, so how was, yeah, how was that night for you? Well... <laughs> I told you to don't ask me this question, Steve. Oh my gosh! I was. I went to Portland. Let me tell you, uh, it's it's our job, you know. Uh, it's part of our job to to play and defend the colors and and the team that we're playing for. And uh, people talk too much before the games, you know. People talk uh, about the loyalty, about you know how. I was having still the record in Seattle. I, I, I will land uh, in a different team. But MLS has so many rules. You know that as well. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, Vancouver showed me they, they wanted me. I just went there to do what I love for a living, you know. I, that's my job. That's how I um, supply everything that I need for, for me, for my family. And, and I provide to them with this. And it was a different... Uh, vision for me than the fans that, that we see but let me tell you after the first game I think the fans in Seattle respected me I think when I went to uh, play or, or the warm-up uh, I see a lot of people from Seattle like telling me like hey happy that you're back in MLS we're sad that you're not in Seattle but but good for you you know your I want to know I want you to tell us who your favorite strike partner was because I think I know what you're going to say and I agree because he was very important to us but he didn't get a lot of credit you know Nate Jekwa why whatever he is good man <laughs> I love you <laughs> why because he was always working hard for the team uh, he was a guy that didn't care his score or not he was a guy that was fighting against two or three defenders and always passed me the ball <laughs> when we do one or two and I score the goal I was hacking first because yeah he was important for me for my uh, kind of play in the game and for the team as well. Thanks again, Freddie Montero, for taking the time um, a few weeks ago to sit down with me. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, there's a lot more of that kind of stuff coming if you keep your eyes peeled. Um, the series this year, celebrating 10 years as an MLS club for the Sounders. I know it's the 11th season, but it's 10 years, 09 to 2019. Um, once a Sounder, there's a new episode of that coming next month in April. We'll have one every month. And if you haven't seen the visual of my trip to Portugal, catching up with Freddie Montero. You can definitely check that out online on the Sound of Social Media presence or on the website. The big three things before we leave. Numero uno, number one. I touched on this 
at the top of the program. But Jordan Morris being aggressive. The reason it's important is this. You know, I played as a wide player. When you're lacking confidence, you second-guess yourself. You, 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 you think too much. You overthink. You're, 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 you're faced one-on-one with the defender. And you know you can beat him, but because maybe the last two times you've tried something, it hasn't come off, or your touch hasn't been good in the game, you're going to think too much and do um, something with a bit of hesitation, which gives the defender, who you normally would be, a chance to read you. When you're confident, when you're in sync, in the zone, as they say, you don't even think. It's instinct. You get the ball and you go. You touch the ball and you go. That's where Jordan is right now. So that's my first thing, is the confidence of Jordan Morris. Long may it continue. I was of the opinion that it may take him some time to find his feet. And I said, everybody should be patient. And it's completely understandable because he's coming off a very, very, very serious injury. If he was going to be good in June, I would have taken that. But this boy is hungry. This boy is ready. He looks fantastic. Long may it continue. The confidence of Jordan Morris. Number two. The attack has been getting all the plaudits, but I do want to give a shout out to my man, Stefan Fry, because he made some big saves in Chicago. Sometimes you can forget that he's back there because he's so good. And here's how I know a player is the real deal. Anybody can be good for one season. Anybody. Believe me. Some players have come out and had wonder seasons over a year, and then you never hear about them again. Stefan Fry, we're talking four or five years now, of consistent, high-level play the hardest thing to do in sports whether as a team a collective or individually is to be consistently good all the time it's so tough to do that's why very few people do it you think of all the greats and they're good over a course of many years and Stephen Fry has very few rivals at this present time in MLS who've sustained the kind of level he has for this long we don't talk about him anymore because it's expected but let's not get caught in that trap of expecting and taking it for granted because he's still pulling out saves, standing on his head sometimes, keeping the team in games. And when you have the attack in sync how it is and you have someone like that back there, it breeds so much confidence. If I was a defender with that guy behind me, you know, I would feel like if, I, you know, if we just score one, we likely will win. If we score two, we're definitely going to win because there won't be many games where the team concedes more than one goal. And a big reason of that is Stefan Fry. So let's not overlook that. And number three, finally, we did touch on this, but I have to highlight this and I hope this makes it into the Sounders scouting report. I'm sure it will for Vancouver. Freddie Montero, but not just in general. Watch Freddie when Vancouver has set pieces, especially corners. This is what he does. And he did it to Seattle before. He stands on the goalkeeper, or very close to the goalkeeper, and as soon as the ball is hit, he even moves a couple of yards towards the near post, usually a couple of yards towards the back post. He just steps away, because while everyone's eyes is fixated on the ball, Freddie's waiting for the header that his teammate's going to win the knockdown. And when his teammate wins it, and it falls anywhere in Freddie's vicinity, he's usually open, because all the defenders were attracted to the ball, and then he gets a tap-in. I've seen him do it here in Seattle specifically. We played against the LA Galaxy away. And I, I think Tyrone Marshall or someone had won a header. And Freddie was right there. And he finished the ball in 2009. He did it here in a home opener in 2010 against uh, Philadelphia Union. He had a diving header at the back post because he was standing two yards off the line. 
He does it a lot. And he did it to the Sounders the last time the Whitecaps played Seattle with Freddie on the team, I think, up in Canada. He can do that. And if you want to blame someone for that, it's Casey Kellogg. Because Casey told him to do that. Because Casey said, as a goalkeeper, I hate when a striker just kind of hangs around here. I've seen it happen so many times. And he told Freddie Montero to do that. And Freddie's been doing it ever since. He's done it in China. He's done it in Portugal. And it works. And no one's figured it out. So Brian Schmetzer and Cole, I'm sure they're very aware of this. You know, Chad Marshall and the crew, just watch him. He's not going to win the first header. It's the second header. So that's what scares me about Freddie at this point of his career. Of course, he can shoot the ball from 40 yards and point the top corner. Of course, he's dangerous taking set pieces and stuff like that. We understand that. But it's when you're not watching him and he sneaks into those areas when Freddie is at his very, very best, very deadly. And you give Freddie the ball five yards out from the goal, it's usually going to end up in the back of the net. So that's all we have. Remember, tune in this weekend. Seattle Sounders away at 7 p.m. kickoff in Vancouver, BC Place. If you aren't there in person, tune in. We'll be on the TV bringing you the broadcast. It's going to be a tough one, but as I said, if Seattle plays anywhere near the level they have been the first three games, it's going to be very difficult for Vancouver to slow down that left side. And I expect Seattle to score a couple of goals. And when the Sounders score a couple of goals, they are very, very tough to beat. Until next week, I'm Steve Zakuani. This has been Winging It with Zakuani. Thanks for tuning in.